Hello and welcome to Called Bank. We are excited to announce that we are not benching um, all of our starters. So it is still me, Nathan, and Dale Harper. We're going to give a bit of feedback on these last few Jazz games. They've started two and three in the bubble. Um, Two of those games, I think, were expected wins against NOLA and against Memphis. The game that was... Supposed to be a toss-up that wasn't as close as we all wanted was Oklahoma City. I think the Lakers was not really a surprise that the Jazz lost based on the fact that the Lakers still needed to lock up the number one seed. And, I mean, the Spurs was a surprise today, but we're going to focus a bit more on kind of what the outlook is looking and the next three games that the Jazz have. So what was your thought on this week, Dale? It was definitely disappointing. Um, I was hoping that the Jazz would pull out more than just one win uh, out of the past four, but I'll take the Grizzlies win. Uh, it it was interesting as I went back and reviewed the games, kind of uh, looked over the stats and how the game played out. The Jazz was just the thunder. The Jazz looked like they didn't know what they were doing. They weren't quite in rhythm. Like Their offense wasn't quite there. Their defense wasn't quite there. And so, even if they played a much worse team, if they played the Suns that game, I bet they would have lost. I just don't think they really were were meshing as a team yet. Watching the Lakers game, that was watching the offense for the Jazz was really fun, but their defense was still not really like I still think to watching the Grizzlies and the Spurs game, their defense still isn't really where I would expect it to be. Uh, But their offense in the Lakers and the Grizzlies game started looking really pretty. Their ball movement was great. They were shooting a little bit better. So I'm excited to see how their offense does in the playoffs, but they really need to figure out their defenses where we're seeing the biggest weaknesses. And obviously the Spurs game, they didn't really, they never really looked like they were in it because they lost like their four best players. Yeah, I think that, I mean, looking at OKC, it felt like an extension of the NOLA game. Just not a lot of stuff there. And against New Orleans, they were able to come back and start finding things inside the paint to eke out a win. Oklahoma City just felt like a complete extension of that. And we just didn't see the Jazz really doing anything. I mean, the leading scorer was Mitchell with 13 points. And if Mitchell doesn't get up into the low 20s, low 20s or high teens, like chances are the Jazz are going to throw that game. Lakers game, I mean, we can talk about their defense, and yes, there were some flaws, but really the worst part was the last two minutes of the third quarter. That's when they let the Lakers lead just really grow up into double digits, and even towards the end, though, they were able to come back. So seeing that that was a hungry Lakers team, which as much as we'd like the Jazz to beat, you just have to understand that they're better than the Jazz. Um, Memphis, they came back. It was their best game. Um, Mitchell put up a high number of points. Ingles, you know, still had five assists, but shot 20, but was able to go, I think, six of 11 from three and score 25 points. So, I mean, great thing to see. Then San Antonio, like, they only lost by eight. If anyone bet on the Jazz, at least the Jazz covered. But when you're not starting O'Neal, Mitchell, Gobert, and Conley, like, to be honest, I'm happy with how well the bench did. 
because to lose by only eight and to be within 10 points most of the game is really impressive in my mind. Yeah, and uh, I think after the Jazz lost against the Thunder and the Lakers, they realized it was a little bit, it was going to be kind of tough to move past that fifth seed area. And so uh, I don't know like how hard they were trying to win games right now rather than just try to prepare for the playoffs. They might be treating the next few games as let's run some tests. Let's see how our lineup, diff- let's test different lineups to see how we're doing right now so that we can be ready when it really matters in the playoffs. Yeah, and really let your bench pick see some more game time. I think that that was big to see what, you know, to give like Oni and to give these players that maybe aren't going to be key in the playoffs, but to let them be able to, you know, see some basketball, especially in a competitive match, right? Where like playing the Spurs is going to be a lot more competitive than throwing them out this way against the Thunder. Um, I do... I did think it was really interesting to see the Jazz rest as many players as they did this game. And it made me really start to look at the standings and see if maybe the Jazz are playing a bit for seeding right now. Um, I mean, what, what, looking at the standings, the Nuggets are a, game of a he- are a game and a half ahead of the Rockets. The Jazz are half a game behind the Rockets. And the Thunder are half a game behind the Jazz. And looking at 538... Their final prediction is um, Lakers at the one seed, which is locked in. Clippers, Nuggets at the three seed, Rockets at the four, um, Thunder at the five, and Jazz at the six. And that's because the Thunder have the um, tiebreaker against the Jazz. And what seed ma- what matchup would you prefer out of like the plausible first round matchups if you're the Jazz right now, Dale? What what do you think they'd be looking for? I like we've the Jazz have played the Rockets the last two years in the postseason, and the Rockets are looking really good right now. So, uh, like out of the most likely options, the Jazz are either going to play the Nuggets, the Rockets, or the Thunder. Um, if I were the Jazz, I would not want to play the Rockets right now, and the Nuggets have been looking really good as well, and like the Thunder have still been exceeding expectations. So those are three like tough matchups right there. Um, if I were the Jazz, I would not want, like, if I were to rank them of who I'd want to play first, I'd probably want to play the Thunder and then the Nuggets, and I don't want to play the Rockets again because they've proven to be difficult in years past. So while I definitely think that OKC might be the best matchup for the Jazz, um, the OKC matchup would have to happen in a 4-5 with the Rockets falling to the, to the sixth seed. And... I mean, if the Jazz win in the 4-5, or five, their, next ga- their next series is going to be against the Lakers. Which, I mean, LeBron and Davis are just so good that I just don't see the Jazz winning that series. Um, but if the Jazz drop to the sixth seed, they play the Nuggets, who they have struggled against this year, but is definitely an easier team to beat than the Rockets for the Jazz. And in the next round... You're going to play the winner of what I'm assuming is going to be a Clippers Mavericks series, Um, which the Jazz have done well against the Mavericks, albeit I'm sorry to to break this to you, Dale. I don't think they're going to the Mavs are going to make it to the second round, Um, 
But the Jazz have done all right against the Clippers. And I think that that would be a better second round matchup for them. And then they could go in against the Lakers. But who knows if the Rockets do what they're capable of and could knock out the Lakers. So I definitely think that for them from a getting as far as they as they possibly can, dropping to the sixth seed would be better, which is why there probably wasn't a lot of motivation to play the Spurs today. It's interesting to look at the Lakers' path to the finals because how things are looking, it looks like the Trailblazers are going to have a really good shot at getting the eighth seed and kicking the Grizzlies out. They're, they're game behind the Grizzlies, so they'll at least have a shot for the play-in, but the Trailblazers have been playing good. So my, if I were to put money on it, I would put money that the Trailblazers make the eighth seed. So the, the Lakers might be looking at they have to play the Blazers in the first round, the Rockets in the second round, and then the Clippers in the third round. And none of those series are going to be easy for them. I can't see them sweeping any of those series. So the Lakers might be tired by the time it comes to the conference finals. So if you're like what you're saying, if the Jazz drop to six, beat the Nuggets, pull out a miracle against the Clippers, and then they get to face a tired Lakers team, which they played pretty well this past week, so... There's your miracle underdog story for the Jazz to make it to the finals. And again, I mean, I think it's a miracle if the Jazz make it past the first round, to be honest. Without Bojan, with the teams that they've just struggled against playing, or struggled playing against, like, I think they're definitely capable of it, and those are my expectations. And to be honest, I think the expectations of Jazz fans this year were for them to make it past the second round as well. But with Conley having a lot of lackluster performances, and then with Bojan, who has been just a linchpin of the offense, him not being able to be out there, I think that the Jazz are kind of going to end up settling, which is really disappointing. But, I mean, I'm just happy that we've made the progress it feels like we have in certain aspects of our roster this year. And when the Jazz put this team together, everyone knew they had a lot of potential with bringing Conley in and bringing Bogdanovich in and knowing where Mitchell is and where Rudy Gobert is. But I don't think anyone really had the expectations that that they were going to actually contend for a championship this year. I think even in the, the Jazz front office, I think they were planning, let, let's get this team together, let's figure it out this year. And maybe next year as well, even. But as Mitchell grows and become and like grows into that superstar role, then they'd be looking at that position, which is interesting because, um, even though it's a long term, uh, Gobert isn't locked in long term, and neither is Conley. So, it's I'm curious to see what the Jazz front office like, what they have in their heads, and what they're going to end up doing in the long term because. The Jazz, they do have a good team, but I don't think anyone's really expecting them to make a huge splash in the playoffs. Agreed. I do think that there was a lot of hope that with where the Jazz were at, that Conley and Bojan could fit in a lot quicker than they did. Not not Bojan, but mainly Conley, and be able to get a top three seed. Like, obviously the Lakers and the, and the Clippers were going to be better, but that the Jazz could be fighting with the Rockets and with Denver to get that three seed. And they had been. They've just dropped a lot of gimme games. 
And I think that's the most frustrating thing as a jazz fan is that they're not being as consistent as we're hoping as we wish they could be. And it's, it's tough being a team in the Western conference now because the jazz are a great team. The thunder are a great team. The Mavs are a really good team for how young they are. Like the Grizzlies are exciting. The Blazers are good. It, I, I took a look at the two conferences because uh, you know how like in the West only two teams weren't invited to the bubble while in the East like only one team outside of the or, or just a couple teams outside of the playoff picture were. Um, if you look at the East and I was just ranking it like teams that have an identity and a direction that they kind of know where they're going, and they have a plan to be a contender in the next couple of years. In the East, if you look at the bottom, the Cavs don't have that. Uh, the Hawks have that, but you don't really know if they're going to actually, if that will actually turn into winning games. They just have a couple of fun players to watch. The Pistons don't have any sort of direction. The Knicks don't have a direction. The Bulls don't have a direction. We don't know if the Wizards have one. The Hornets don't have one. Uh, you could argue the Magic have one, but I would say they don't. So it's really like the top seven teams in the East that have a direction, and the top seven teams are like all contenders, really. Out West, I would argue every team except for maybe... Um, you could argue against the Suns, the Spurs, and the Kings, but uh, like I could argue it either way. But it feels like every single team kind of knows where it's going. Like the Warriors are at the bottom of the standings and next year they're going to be at the top. So the West is, it's a tough conference. It's probably tougher than it has been in a very long time. Yeah, when you look at, you know, 12 to 13 of the teams from the West and you could see them winning a championship in the next five to six years, that's really impressive. And like maybe the Thunder aren't one of those teams because they're really stacking up picks right now but it is insane like where the the western conference is going to have a play-in game no matter what right all teams the 8 to the 13th seed are within four games so if it wasn't just the next closest there would be a playoff series of what is that six teams you know like a tournament bracket which i think would be a blast that would take way too long but I mean, any teams in it and could get that eighth seed where the ninth and 10th seed in the Eastern conference are like seven to 10 games back and just, you know, they got the invite in part. And I mean, like why they got invited, I don't know, but they got the invite and looking at those top seven teams, like just to go a bit off jazz course right now, can you see the 76ers keeping both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in the future? I can see them trying, but um, they're like, I can't see them winning a championship with both of them. I mean, Joel Embiid ha- just has injury problems and he can't play a whole season, you know, and they need him to. And then you have Ben Simmons who just dislocated his kneecap. And while his injury problems might not be as big as Joel Embiid's, they're there. And he can't do one of the most important things in the league, which is have the confidence to take a three-point shot. Not even 
like make it, but have the confidence to take it. And so as exciting as they are, I think that it's going to be a lot of, I think there might be documentaries in the future about what went wrong with the 76ers. Just like depending on how the Celtics pull out, what went wrong with the Boston Celtics. I just think there's so much more potential in the West. And uh, yeah, especially I feel like a lot of talent has moved over to the West uh, just in the past couple of years with LeBron coming in. Uh, you could say Kawhi, but he's only in the East for a year. Um, and like the West has drafted better. Like the East has had a lot of teams with really high picks, but the West got John Morant, the West got Zion Williamson, the West got Luka Doncic, um, and the the West like even not huge names yet, but like the West got Buddy Heald, uh, DeAndre Ayton. And the East, like, they got Trey Young, which he's great, but um, I don't see him leading his team to more than 20 wins this season. (laughs) Well, can we just make an acknowledgement? The West has drafted better, but please don't tell me that you're going to, like, give the New Orleans Pelicans front office credit for making the risky pick of drafting Zion. That's true. That one was luck. Um, But... If you look at the teams in the West who got like high draft picks and the teams in the East who got high draft picks, um, like the East is probably going to have like the number of teams in the East who have won less than 25 games is seven teams right now. And so, and that's kind of how it's been for the past several years is the bottom of the East has been pretty awful. While there's only been two teams, there's only two teams in the West right now who have won less than 25. Um, so, and, and like you, there's a lot of young talent in the East, but there's no young stars. Yeah. And I mean, it'll be interesting. Like, I mean, you have Trey Burke in Atlanta, but really, where is he going to go? Like, he can't play defense. Is that always necessary? No, but. I mean, it is important when you're a team like Atlanta trying to, like, get anything you can. You have the Knicks, who do keep getting good players, but they can't keep and develop them. It'll be interesting to see where R.J. Barrett goes. Like, I think there's a lot of potential there. But if they continue to tank like they have, then they're just going to stay on, you know, stay in the midden heap. And looking at it all, I definitely do see a lot more potential in the West. I do think there is some excitement with where the Raptors and the Heat are right now and where the Nets will be next year to see these new contenders. And I will call Toronto a new contender because they had Kawhi for one season. But where if the Raptors made the playoffs again, sorry, made the finals again, that wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world. Um, At least right now. At the beginning of the season, would have been like... Just no one would have believed you, but right now it's definitely plausible. Yeah, they're like they're a really fun team to watch. I like everyone thought that they were going to be like a good a good serviceable team that would get out in the second round, maybe the first round if they didn't meet expectations. But they're five games behind the Bucks, doing better than the Celtics, and the Celtics have a ton of star power. So yeah, the the Raptors may may be able to turn this long term. Yeah, so right now I just think that these playoffs are going to hopefully answer a lot of questions regarding the future of the NBA. 
and the future of teams that are going. And we'll just be able to see who's who and what's what and where things are going to go. Yeah, like I know we're like getting close. We don't like to have our podcast episodes too long, but I know we're getting close to that. Uh, but there was one thing that I I forgot to mention earlier, but I think it holds a lot of potential for the Jazz in the future, uh, especially since the Jazz have some veteran players. And if they want to have Donovan Mitchell be their guy for his whole career um, and, and five, six years from now, the Jazz roster is going to look a lot different than it is right now, than how it does right now. But I've been seeing, I, I've, I've like been intrigued by the idea of playing Donovan Mitchell at point guard. And as I've been watching the Jazz in the bubble, I feel like Donovan Mitchell's passing has improved. Um, it, it may it may just be me not acknowledging how good he was before the bubble, but he's been making good passes. Um, like obviously he's still young and turns the ball over a little bit more than we'd like him to, but he's been making awesome passes. His court vision has improved and his passing ability has improved. So I could see the Jazz. Uh, being able to invest more in like wing players and move Mitchell over to the one eventually, which would be interesting to see how that transition would work. Yeah, I think that's definitely a big possibility since let's be real here. If your best player is in a four or five, they need to be the point guard. Like they can put small forward on the sheet, but they need to be able to be a, a court general. Like LeBron James is a point guard. I mean, he'll run some different plays and he'll let other people like see the floor and do things. But in reality, he's the point guard. Even Giannis, a lot of the time, will play the point guard because that's what you need your best player to do. Yep. The point guard is really just the general of the offense. Who who is who runs the offense? And like back in the day, um, Shaq, he kind of ran the offense. He didn't bring the ball down the floor but the offense ran through him, right? And so now the basketball is a lot more perimeter and like it's based around the perimeter. And so you need your, the person to run who your offense runs through most often brings the ball down the floor, right? Definitely. So I think that he's made a lot of progress. He's going to continue to, I'm sure he's learning a lot from Conley. And in the end, that'll be the direction I think the jazz move. So I'm just super excited for these last three, four games of the bubble um, for all the teams and then to see the play-in game in the West and where it goes from here. I think the playoffs are just going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot more emotion, I think, in the playoffs right now than there has been in a while due to the break. And so super excited. It's going to be good. Go Blazers. Go. I'm, you know, I'm cheering for Derek Favors. That's who I'm cheering for, so we'll see who sneaks in there, I mean. But until next week, this has been called Bank.